Welcome to the Graceful Confidence Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Debick, the founder of Life Coaching with Lauren, a female empowerment coach, an entrepreneur, empath, and a lover of the ego-friendly lifestyle. My mission is to help women take control of their lives by teaching them how to increase their confidence in an authentic and genuine way so they can achieve both personal and professional goals. Each week on the Graceful Confidence Podcast, I will share ways to increase your confidence, tips on how to integrate grace into your life, as well as stories and advice from other experts on how, as women, we can better empower ourselves and those around us. I will show you exactly how to use the power of confidence and grace to create an empowering and invigorating life that you are excited about waking up to every single day. Now, let's dive in. Welcome to this month's episode of the Graceful Confidence Podcast. The Graceful Confidence Podcast is all about sharing expert advice on ways to live a more confident life so we can achieve whatever it is that we want. However, let's be real. Sometimes this is easier said than done. Life can be hard, and there are many people who may be currently struggling with or who may have struggled with in the past feelings of anxiety and depression, which can make pursuing goals and building confidence even more difficult. That's why on today's episode, we are going to have a conversation with one entrepreneur about her experience with anxiety and depression. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by a leader in the field of public relations, Lauren Salon. Hello. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to talk about this with you. Thank you for joining me, Lauren. And for our listeners, Lauren is a PR and marketing consultant, media personality, speaker, entrepreneur, and a podcast host. She's a former health coach, personal trainer, fitness model, and competitor. After years of hustling, running multiple businesses at one time, but not seeing the results she knew she truly deserved, Lauren decided to go all in and own her mission. And that's when everything changed. Now, Lauren runs a PR and influencer marketing agency called Influence and Impact and is the founder of the PR Accelerator, where she helps entrepreneurs in the health, wellness, personal development, entrepreneurship, and lifestyle industries increase their authority and visibility so they can scale their income and impact with ease. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us today. I am so excited to get into this conversation. It is going to be a juicy one for sure. And something that I think is so timely, especially after everything that 2020 threw at us. So thank you again for being here. When did you first experience feelings of anxiety? You know, I first really noticed it sophomore year of college. I'm sure it, it, it popped up before then, but that's when I first really noticed it. And sophomore year of college, I went to a, a lovely private school in Santa Barbara. I was a double major and sophomore year, I don't know about you, but tends to be kind of like the intense one, right? Like freshman year is so fun. You're meeting everybody. Oh my gosh, I'm in college. I'm away from home. This is fantastic. And then sophomore year, like, oh crap, look at all this work I have. And like so much work to do. And so um, sophomore year was high stress for sure. And I started feeling, and I didn't even call it anxiety and it, and it wasn't so much anxiety as more just like I would have just straight up go right into a panic attack. So it wasn't really like the low buzz of anxiety. It was more just like, bam, you know, like the very acute. And 
I would have moments where I remember just feeling like I needed to get off campus, go for a drive. And I didn't really know why. And I would be bawling and just like need to escape and call my mom crying all this. And a lot of the time it was workload related, but I also wasn't, I remember saying like, I'm just not happy here and thinking about transferring schools and all that kind of stuff and not really knowing what the root of it was. I had um, one of my grandmothers passed away that year and it was stressful year. And I also that year ended up getting shingles, which is serious. Yes. And And that's stress driven, correct? Yep. Yeah. When you're, um, how old was I? 19 or something and you get shingles, like that's your body telling you, you are severely stressed. For quite some time, sophomore year, I would have these like panic attacks where I would just need to escape and like get off campus, go for a drive. I was feeling trapped and unhappy, but not sure what the root cause was. Um, and just like calling my mom and crying. I mean, like, I, I don't know what to do, you know? Did you know that you were experiencing a panic attack at that time or just did it feel like over, like, did you have a name for it? I didn't really. And I think my mom kind of started to, to identify it, but I would, a word to it or a name to it. I just felt like I kind of like I was suffocating and needed to escape was kind of the feelings like get, get the F out here, out of here sort of thing. Absolutely. So what did you do after that? After those feelings of suffocation, having conversations with your mom, did you move to a place where, where you sought treatment? Um, you know what? I actually, I didn't seek out treatment. So I am a, bit of a recovering control freak, perfectionist, people pleaser, like don't ask for help sort of thing. I'm tough. I can handle it all myself. Um, and that's what very, very much a lot of the time probably led me into anxiety because wouldn't ask for support. What was that? And my mom is very like, my mom is lovely and can be a little like more on the tough love, like matter of fact side. And also like so supportive and helpful. So when I was in those situations and would call her, she would of course empathize with me and, you know, help to calm me down, but then was really great at helping me to not spiral. And like, cause, cause I used to like, oh, if one thing's stressing me out to throw into that pot, right. And like cause even more stress, like, oh, well, I'm stressed about this one thing. Why not stress about everything else in my life? Here we go. And she would help me kind of like, slow down and focus on like what the thing is that was, was bothering me and, and stressing me out and help me to not like be a runaway train with it a little bit. Um, and so that was helpful. Definitely wasn't the entire year. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't reach out for help and stuff like that in a like formal, a formalized way. Did you find that when you, when you were having these periods of stress and anxiety, was it impacting your schoolwork? Was it impacting your, your personal life? What were the consequences of that? Absolutely. Great question. So schoolwork and stuff like that has always come quite easily to Mm -hmm. me. And so I was able to still perform well school-wise and I I know, and, and, and at the detriment, of course, of, of my own health. Um, 
And so I didn't really notice, you know, any, any like dips in my grades or anything like that relationship wise didn't really affect it. And, and cause so many of us too, were going through that, like intense sophomore year. So a lot of us were feeling like, Holy cow, this year is a whole lot harder than last year. Like shit, we got to stay in and like study all the freaking time. <laughs> so, so we kind of had, uh, you know, with my friends and stuff, and I was still living on campus, um, had, had a good supportive community and sisterhood. Um, so yeah, so I didn't really notice it, um, schoolwork, friendships, that sort of thing. I was just like internalizing it all so much. And I'm sure I was like a bit shorter tempered and stuff like that back then and, and everything, but, but, but yeah. What's interesting, I think, about anxiety and and feelings like this is it looks different for everybody, which is why I think it's important to talk about because your experience with anxiety and and that need to get out and that suffocating feeling could be different from what somebody else is feeling. So like for me, when I'm feeling stressed out, instead of going somewhere, I like I call it cocooning and I just wrap myself up in a blanket and I'm like, I need to stay put. But I do think it's important because some people may be going through these feelings and don't know what to call it. So sometimes if we give a name to yeah. it and a recognition to it, that can help for the next step on how to manage it and then move forward. After your sophomore year, what were some ways that you found on how to manage this anxiety? Honestly, out how to manage it well until like the last two years. Which okay. is crazy because that's been quite some time. And and it wasn't like I lived with it on a really consistent basis. So sophomore year it was pretty acute. And then I it wasn't really a big thing for me anymore. And then at my my last job, actually, before starting my own business, I worked at a PR agency and we we were we specialized in crisis communications, crisis PR. So I was at that agency for about four years. We were growing very, very fast you know, and, and I was working on a crisis team. So the nature of my work every day was high stress. All of our clients hired us when, excuse the language, shit hit the fan. And really? imagine, you know, we were working like 60 to 80 hours a week. And all of the work I was doing was an emergency situation for my clients. Yeah. So that does not give a good <laughs> environment for managing stress, especially with somebody like me, who I was then, which was again, overachiever, workaholic, control freak, like I don't need any help sort of thing. My last year there was really rough. I was having like an anxiety attack in the bathroom, like once a week would get up and like, oh, I'm going to go take a little break, you know, and like have a little cry in the bathroom, like in the office and then come back out for another, like just keep working and stuff. And was miserable for the better part of a year from stress load to internal office dynamics and, and like drama, like coworkers talking shit about you, that kind of dumb stuff. And I'm like, I'm working this much. Like I'm here doing this for this long, every single day to have the like interpersonal side of it be shitty and stressful too. F that. And so I stayed probably a year longer than I should have, because back then I wasn't listening to those little nudges, right? I didn't know how to really hear my intuition and listen to my gut and trust myself. And so about a year of, you know, super, super stressed out. I was, I had pretty much stopped working out like consistently and, 
And for me, I, I have been an athlete my whole life. So moving my body and breaking a sweat on a regular basis is really important for me for like my mental health too. And so I was neglecting workouts and just like working crazy hours, not sleeping very much. And yeah, so that again was the, the kind of second big chunk of like massively dealing with anxiety and, and for me kind of, I guess like fix that, but not, not exactly, but decided to leave, right? Like, okay, I can't like, what the heck? Like, I can't do this anymore. This is so bad for me and I'm not happy. And back then, and I was thinking like, oh my gosh, it's, I'm too far into my career to switch paths now or to change. And like, I'll be a VP in a year and stuff like that. Like ridiculous, right? We pivot like every six months as entrepreneurs, or at least I do. I'm like such a short attention span. I can't do the same thing for more than a year. (laughs) And, and so decided like, okay, I can't keep doing this. But again, it was like, once I was backed into such a corner that I'm like, what the hell am I doing? You know? And it took so long to like, hear the little whisper and take action. And so for me, I'm somebody who, once I am aware of it, I will take action very fast. So it was for a long time being kind of like not, not recognizing what my truth was, not trusting myself and anything like that. But once I was like, no, this is enough. I can't keep doing this. I got the F out of there pretty quickly and, and jumped into doing my own thing, which then opens up its whole, a whole new array of straight stress. Like when you're starting your, your own business of all the possibilities and creative energy and all that, but that can also quickly become like stressful anxiety too. I recently did a presentation. There is a stat that says 90,000 hours of an average adult's life is spent at work, which is also one third of our entire lives. So I said, we better enjoy what we're doing. You know, you talked about wanting to be happy. So once you made that jump from the agency to working for yourself, you mentioned that there was a new set of stress that comes along with that. Can you talk about the difference between like, good stress and bad stress and healthy stress and unhealthy stress. And if you experienced the difference between those two. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I think that anxiety and depression are that's just feedback, a misalignment somewhere and feedback that there's like blocked energy somewhere, the energy that wants to move, get out something that is like a kink in the chain that needs to get ironed out or like a pipe that's out of place and you need to put it back in place. So everything flows more smoothly. And so when you start feeling anxiety and depression in such a big way, that to me says, Oh, something along the way popped up and there was something that I should have paid attention to. And so bad anxiety from, and so, so I try not to look at it as good and and bad because it's your body giving you, telling you something right. But the like good stress and good anxiety, I think is when you're feeling excited, but maybe you still have those nerves or maybe you, you feel like your body's moving a little too fast or your brain's moving a little too fast, but it it's excite, exciting and energizing. Um, and then bad anxiety, you know, it slows you down or you get into like a, a habit loop or a mental spiral of kind of like going over the same stuff, same stuff, same stuff, or you revert back to like 
past back bad habits, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so with stress and anxiety, I think you can, whether it's good or bad, I think you can channel it, right? Like if you feel it come up kind of, I usually go, okay, I'm feeling stress in my body. That's okay. And I can be very sensitive to other people's energy. Sometimes it's a matter of going, is this mine or did I pick this up from somebody else? Yes. Right. 100%. And, and so, yeah. And so a lot of times I can, and I used to be not be able to really identify that. And so now even just in the past year, gotten so much better at identifying if it's mine or someone else's. And if it's mine, then I just go through everything. Like, what could I possibly be stressing about? Am I feeling stressed and overwhelmed? Did I agree to something that I actually don't want to do? Um, have I gotten enough sleep? Have I gotten enough water in my day? When's the last time I worked out? And so kind of checking, like going through that checklist. And if, and if I can't really figure out where it's coming from, then sometimes I'm like, oh no, I feel amazing. Like everything in my life, like things feel really awesome. This isn't mine. Whoever's, <laughs> whoever's energy this is, but I actually don't want it. Um, and so some of my things have been, yeah, exactly. I'm like, no, thank you. I'm not available for this. Um, and some of the things when I feel that is I, yeah, do that reflection. I will tap into gratitude because gratitude shifts our brain out of that scarcity negative place. So tapping into gratitude and then I move my body, whether that's putting on a song and dancing, I've got a trampoline in my office. So I'll jump on that. I love tapping. So move that energy around. Sometimes I'll, you know, take my dog for a walk or go for a workout or something like that. Um, so movement is huge, huge, huge. And then I just choose like one thing. Okay. What's the, if it's something that's stressing me out, what is one thing I can do related to that thing? If it's a work thing, what's one task that I can do or cross off the list. That's going to help me feel more in control of whatever this situation is, or that's going to help me make progress on it. You mentioned tapping for those who may not be familiar with tapping. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and how you use it in your daily life or how you yeah. use it on a regular basis? So I'm not a pro at it. So this is just my understanding and how I use it. If you do acupuncture and stuff like that, they put needles in those meridian points, right. To like help our energy and chi throw flow through the body more effectively. And so tapping there are different points and I know a few of them, like ones like on the sternum, which is one of my favorite ones. You can tap the like third eye. So right in between your eyebrows, you can do cheeks. So there are several points and the way that I do it is if I'm feeling anxiety and I typically get anxiety in my chest. So like heart chakra and throat chakra. So it's like right from, which like all makes sense if we like go back to like childhood wounds and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, yeah, obviously like, and so, so I feel it most in my chest. So, and I would actually do this like when I was driving, it's always really shitty when you just wake up with anxiety and you're like, I just had a great night's sleep. What do we have to be anxious about? This is bull, you know? And so what I would say, and what I do with it is I would either, you know, do chest you know, uh, cheeks kind of forehead a bit and the tapping for me, cause a lot of times with anxiety, you're focused on things in the future, right? Like you're afraid of something that's going to happen. That's completely out of your control and not the present moment. And so helps you to bring like kind of slow you down and bring you back into your body and bring you back into the present moment. And 
I, I'm going to, I forget exactly what it was, but one of the things that I say when I'm doing it, and this was like in some of the tapping videos that I, that I watched and stuff is saying like, right now, like my body is experiencing anxiety. My body is feeling not, I, I'm not, my body is experiencing stress and anxiety and that's okay. I'm perfectly safe. I'm secure. Like I'm healthy. Everything's all right. You're not being frustrated with yourself for feeling that way, but being loving and gentle. Cause your body's like, Hey, something's wrong. Your body's just trying to keep you safe when it does that. And, and sometimes like, because of how our brain works and stuff, like what our body does to keep us safe, like sometimes isn't really the right thing. Right. Like, so, so it's not always true, right? The anxiety, most of the time it's not. And so tapping, I would tap and say some mantras, everything's going to be okay. And I'm like allowing my body to feel this and we're going to release it. So, so yeah, so meeting, meeting yourself where you're at, but it, it helps me to get back into my body. Cause I'm a very like kinesthetic person as well. I love that because that's where the whole concept of grace comes in. So not Mm -hmm. just being graceful with other people and kind and gentle and compassionate with others, but with ourselves as well. And just like you said, by showing ourselves that gentleness and compassion, we're able to check in with ourselves, which then can help us get on a better path toward achieving whatever it is that we want to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. Grace is such an important part of the process when we're feeling stressed. And the inclination I know for me is to like, what are you doing? This is so dumb. Like everything's great. You know, like to like be mean to myself, that's what it used to be. And I'm like, Hey, like, Oh, that's okay. Like, what's up? What's up? What's going on? What do you need? I've heard somewhere it's how would you talk to your best friend? If they were going through something like this, how would you respond to them? Chances are you wouldn't Mm. be mean to them. So why do we do that to ourselves? Yeah. Talk to yourself as if it's, you're somebody that you love, right? (laughs) Yeah. That at its core. Exactly. So shifting gears a little bit, having a background in health and fitness, and because that is such an important piece of, of who you are and working with clients in that capacity, has your experience with anxiety and stress changed the way you work with your clients at all? When I was working with a lot of health and fitness clients, Um, yes. I mean, I think dealing with anxiety and depression myself helps me to be way more empathetic, right. And to, to have tools and stuff to use that, like that I'm, I've tried out for myself and can share when you're doing personal training, health coaching and everything like that. You're so much more than someone who's telling someone just what to eat and how to work out. Right. You're very much a therapist coach type of role. Um, and so So, yeah. So when I was doing health coaching and training a lot, um, helping my clients to stay consistent with moving their body and with being active was such a huge one because that helps so much with stress and then helping clients too in the, in the fitness space, like take it a day at a time and start and, and start small, like small milestones, small wins. Absolutely. So they're not stressing about like, Oh, well, I want to lose 50 pounds. Like, Oh my gosh, I'm never going to get there sort of thing. Um, and then with, with the coaching I do now with more like business PR and everything like that. Um, yeah, I, cause I work with a ton of entrepreneurs, so I'm able to like, yo, I've been through like so much of the stress and anxiety and depression, absolutely share from personal experience and what's worked with for me. Um, and cause I've done so much of the work too, like the internal shadow work, like healing past trauma, all of that, that. Absolutely. If, if I 
hadn't dealt with anxiety and depression the way that I have, I wouldn't have had to do the work myself to work through it and therefore would be less effective at helping my clients work through it too. Absolutely. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. So you mentioned the tapping, you mentioned encouraging your clients to move their body, eat, eat well, exercise. Are there any other tactics that you use to manage stress or anxiety or that you would recommend? Absolutely. So one of the most important, so yes, um, I like when I am in an kind of like acute anxiety situation. So if I'm having like a full on like spiraling, like going down the rabbit hole of like everything that could possibly happen and go wrong sort of thing. Um, and I'm not able to shift, go that way, or like actually have an anxiety attack. Then my, I used to have a, it's not up anymore because I don't need it anymore, which is so cool. But I used to have a post-it on my, literally like on my computer that said like, you know, if, if, if I'm going down that path to pause, take five deep breaths, like you know, a deep inhale, hold it a like slow exhale. Um, and then to reflect on things I'm grateful for. Cause when we step into gratitude, it, it shifts our mind. That's much better than feelings of scarcity and stress. Um, and then reach out for support. So reach out to somebody and, and ask for help and support, or just a phone call or something and then movement. So whether that's, like I said, walk around the block, dance party in my office or whatever it is, that was kind of my like quick, like shift sort of strategy. But then as far as like for ongoing, because there was a period of time where I had just like a low grade buzz of anxiety almost every day, which was so annoying for that, for kind of the, the chronic ongoing, more mellow anxiety what's been really effective for me is having a daily ritual, like a morning practice. So again, with my morning practice, I do my best to not get right into my phone when I wake up. Um, so I start my day with me. I start my day filling my cup and not from a reactive place, breath work, um, gratitudes, like tapping into my vision and what I'm creating in the world and, and my like big, exciting goals that I'm working toward. Um, I also set intentions for the day. Let's see what else. And then movement again, like movement is part of my day every day, whether it's just stretching or dancing or a workout or something like that. But those are really like the core things, having a morning practice that grounds you in your body and puts you as the priority has been such a good thing to help avoid anxiety. And it's so funny. Cause like less than five years ago, like spending 15 minutes in the morning, even just 15 minutes in the morning focused on me first felt so stressful. And now I'm like, heck no, <laughs> we take care of me first. That's what I hear from a lot of people is I don't have the time to focus on myself. Yeah. I don't have the time to exercise. I don't have the time to do a BC. What yeah. would you say to those people who may be in this headspace of, I know I'm anxious. I know I'm stressed, but I also don't have the time to focus on me. Yeah. So I would, would normally say, okay, so how long have you been feeling anxiety? How long have you been stressed and feeling this way? Usually it's like, oh, years. And like, and then I go, okay, so what are you doing to fix that? Right. Or to work on that. And, and they'll say whatever they say. Okay. So how's that going for you? Right. Just like hold the mirror up. seems like you're doing a great job of it. Right. And 
and then I would say too, like one, I, I mean, I know from experience, like the more you ignore the little buzz, the little poke, the little nudges, the more that just turns into like, it just is going to snowball out of control on you. So sure. If then in six months you want to like be steamrolled by anxiety attacks or like a whole meltdown or physical stuff. Cause so much of the time our physical aches and pains and the things mm-hmm. that go wrong in our body is the result of stress. Yes. So much of the time, our physical stuff is starts in our brain. It's, it's rarely from an actual physical thing, but it's the manifestation of that kind of yucky energy in our body. Um, so that's the thing. It's like, okay, so how's that working for you? So, so are you open to trying a different way? Right. And then we can do like a time inventory thing. And people are like, oh no, you know, but start with five minutes. Like that's what I started with when I was like miss workaholic can't spare a second. So I started with like five minutes of meditation slash morning ritual. And that felt long. So I would, I would literally like, I used like the calm app or something like that when I was first getting started and I would set it for no joke, like three minutes. And I'd be sitting there like, okay, great. This is fine. You know? And then I'd, I'd be like, well, my phone must've broken. (laughs) Start small. It doesn't have to be an hour, five minutes of meditation. Great. Do a 10 minute morning ritual. Everyone has five or 10 minutes to spare. Everyone can shift something to make five minutes in their morning for them. It sounds like you have gotten very good at setting boundaries for yourself and carving out that time. Have you found that by setting those boundaries, focusing on you, taking care of you first, you've become more confident in, in your work, in your life? Yes, absolutely. So and I will say too that having strong boundaries and really trusting your yourself to set effective boundaries, like that took a lot of work to get to that point. And now I'm so in tune with it and what my boundaries are. And I I am very like my intuition and my gut is one of my superpowers, absolutely. So I can feel in my body very quickly now something is a yes or a no. And so that, that goes with boundaries as well. So I'm very aware of what my boundaries are because you should spend some time thinking through like actually what, what they are. Um, so I'm very clear on that. And I also know like if I'm considering something, whether it's like a social thing or a new client or a project or whatever it is, like I can feel in my body if it's a yes or a no. And I still get to learn that lesson sometimes even, even now. Um, but Yes, it's absolutely made me more, more confident because I think confidence comes from trusting yourself, right. And, and loving all the sides of yourself and not being scared to show up fully in your authenticity and in your you-ness, right. And so by being able to trust what my body tells me and what my gut and intuition says, and And to like be so connected to that awesome shit happens (laughs) to see that and to like, you know, cause at first it was like, all right, well, I'm just going to start trusting myself and saying, no, you know, saying no to stuff that I know should be a no. And yes, that to stuff that should be a yes. And when I started doing that and putting it into practice more, I'm like, oh, see, see what happens when you trust yourself, all this cool stuff is happening. And so that builds your confidence. Absolutely. How would you advise someone to trust themselves because it, again, it's different for every single person. So you're saying that you feel it in your body, you feel it in your gut. There's a lot of physical sensations that go along with it. For me, it's much more just like 
a, a knowing like immediately. It's not a feeling. And yes. then for other people, you know, it, it's like literally you get goosebumps or something when something's right for you. Yeah. It's different. But I do agree with you. It is so important. Once you can figure out what your intuition is, is number one, and then how to listen to it. Awesome shit can happen. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I get this question all the time. How do you know how to trust it and stuff? And yeah, it took a long time for me to get there. And a lot of like mistakes or learning lessons along the way to be like, oh, that feeling that I had a year ago about this thing, that's, that was what it was trying to tell me, you know, like here we are now and here's what we've gone through. That's what it was trying to tell me back then. Okay. Got it. Like what other moments have I felt this similar feeling? And then things didn't go super awesome shit. I don't have a good formula for this just yet, but I need to figure it out because it's like, Oh, like, okay, let me take you through what I've done for the last five years. <laughs> but I think so much comes from turning inward. So having the like, and slowing down, which was also always so hard for me. So, and that's where like my depression, when I experienced depression in 2019 forced me to massively slow down. And so I was able to really do a lot of reflection and to look at a lot of areas of my life and see what was aligned or not aligned and everything. And, and so I think like when it comes to being able to trust yourself and your intuition, you have to do a lot of deep inner work. So that's like healing childhood trauma, um, you know, looking at your ego and how that's showing up for you and stuff like that. Because if you don't kind of start peeling back those layers and what you were saying too, because I get that, I have that feeling that that same experience a lot of the time where I will just know if something's a yes or no. And I also can and physically feel it in my body too. And so something I would tell people I actually just coached somebody on this yesterday. Um, she was, you know, had, wanted feedback on a logo or something and, and kind of like a rebrand situation. And I asked her, I said, okay, if I told you to choose this option, how does that feel? Notice which feels different and how, like, does one feel maybe scary, but exciting? Does one make you go, uh, okay. You know? And so play with that. Like, if you're like, oh, if I said yes to this, what, how would I feel? Would I be excited and energized? Would my body kind of like, would I slouch or be like, well, all right, sort of thing. Or would I be like, Ooh, yeah. So paying attention to those little feelings because our bodies are so smart. Our bodies are so smart. And we, we get, it gets really messy and like clogged, if you will, like listening to other people and worrying about what others think and stuff like that. So when we're able to like unpack all those layers, you're, you're just so like in tune with your natural barometer, if you will. 100%. You, you mentioned being diagnosed with depression. What were the differences between the anxiety you experienced and then the, the episode of depression? Ooh, yeah. So anxiety for me is on camera right now, like putting, like flinging my hands around and stuff for those who I'm just like trying to put words to it, but it feels very buzzy. So for me, anxiety feels like I've had a gallon of coffee and it's all like stuck in my rib cage pretty much. And my throat. And I, again, mentally will go in like circles and stuff like that. And just everything feels way too fast. Right. And so, and then with depression for me, so my anxiety flipped to depression. I was dealing with some major personal life stuff and, um, 
and my anxiety flipped to depression in 2019, I was still a very high functioning depressed person. So I, in 2019, I took a break from my consulting business. Um, I was pivoting. I wasn't really excited about my business. I, again, like I mentioned, was um, dealing with some major stuff in my personal life. And, and, and so I just needed a freaking break too. I was like, I don't, I'm not happy doing what I'm doing. And, and because my, at the time, my marriage needed a lot of attention that needed to be the priority. I needed to be the priority. My partnership needed to be the priority. And I wasn't even excited about my business. So I'm like, well, what, then I'm going to take a little break. It's okay to pause. And I didn't realize it was depression for some time. And I did end up working with a therapist that year, which was really helpful. Um, but what it looked like for me, yes, I was still like, I was getting up at 5am to train clients from like 7am to noon and then training myself. Um, so there's definitely like a little bit of anxiety got thrown into the mix too, but depression for me looked like disinterest. I was apathetic. Like I didn't even care. Like I didn't care about my business. I didn't feel like I had a vision anymore. Like I had been so excited about the things that I was creating. And then when I was dealing with depression, I was like, Oh, but I'm not, why would anyone care about anything I have to say? Like, no, I'm not, that's not important. No one cares about that. So it was very like apathetic. It also looked like a lack of focus and inability to, to like sit down and like work. And so when I, I still like had some side projects or like projects going on with my consulting business here and there, but wasn't really working on that as the main focus. Um, and so after I was done training and working out myself, I would come home and it'd be like three o'clock, right? Like plenty of time left in the day. And I'd be like, I don't want to do anything except like, I'm going to lay on the couch in my towel. For me, it looks like disinterest, apathetic, severely low energy. I'm used to being a very, I'm a very high energy person and I can cultivate like natural energy quite easily. And I was like, just feeling like tired I didn't want to do anything or focus. I felt like all my ideas were bad and stuff like that. And so that's what it really looked like for me. And it took some time to identify that it was depression. Um, and emotionally I couldn't focus. I didn't feel motivated at all or inspired or anything like that. And then physically I was dealing with um, what's called piriformis syndrome, which, which is essentially like, looks like sciatica. So I was dealing with major, major chronic hip nerve pain. So from my hips all the way down to my legs, both legs sort of thing. And that would happen anytime I sat down for more than five minutes. So physically my body was like, uh, uh, you're not sitting down at the computer for more than 10 minutes, you know? And so, so my body very much was telling me, yo chick, there's some big shit you need to focus on and deal with and heal because like, we're not going to let you become a workaholic right now. Because remember how you said this year is about slowing down and like doing some work and prioritizing this stuff. So there you go, do it. And so, so yeah, so it was such a, a major slowdown for me. I shit, I cried like a lot. That was rough, rough emotionally, um, that year. And the beautiful thing though, from it was once I started to get more energy and fun fact, actually the physical sciatica. So again, I was doing fitness competitions and stuff like that during this time. And the only thing that helped that pain go away was like just taking a break for like a few weeks. And even then I'm like, well, 
I'm doing these competitions. So we're not stopping training. So we're going to force it through and figure it out. And so I was like, I'm right. That's, <laughs> does that sound like me so far? <laughs> and what you've come to know of me. Um, so, so yeah, I was doing all the things physically. I was stretching for at least an hour a day. Again, I was like living in the gym, you know, training clients, training myself, all that. And so I would stretch a ton. I was rolling out. I was doing like massage every, like once a month, I had acupuncture, cupping and chiropractic three times a week. Like I was doing all the physical things you could possibly do. And it was, it was just like a little bandaid, you know, it would never fixed it. When I started to seek out treatment, like a therapist, therapist, it went away completely. Right. It was ridiculous. So I was like, Oh, Oh, got it. Got it. Okay. We're paying attention more now. And once, yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, this is annoying. And like, I know that kind of stuff. Like I know how connected the body is to our mental and emotional state. And I was like, ah, (laughs) touche. Um, so, so yeah, when I started to feel more inspired and motivated and actually started feeling excited, I still was working with a very limited amount of energy. It's not like I just was like, oh, well, we're we're excited again and feeling focused. So let's, here we go, you know, long hours and stuff. I still had like maybe three hours, like a three hour window that my brain emotions body was like, okay, here's what you can do here. You can sit down at your computer for three hours. And so I had to get ninja with those three hours, right. And make the most of my time. And so it allowed me to really focus on only what the priorities are, only what the things are that are going to actually move the needle and cut all that extra busy work and, and stuff. And, and so it was beautiful for that because I was like, all right, if, if we've got three hours to work, what are the most important things that I need to do in these three hours? Cause literally I have like a, a like timer that's going to run out and my body's going to say, okay, you're done, get up and go home sort of thing. And I, you know, that time that I, my energy bank, if you will, got, got bigger, but I kept those boundaries in place. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to take things back onto my plate that I delegated. I'm not going to add extra projects onto my plate because I learned that all that stuff that I was doing that I felt like I had to do was unnecessary. Right. So I was able to maintain so that I could like do more in less time. And it was really, really it was such a beautiful lesson in that, in simplifying and not overworking myself. After your experience with anxiety and depression, do you feel like there is a stigma associated with, with using those terms saying I'm anxious, saying I'm depressed? Um, I don't really, because it's such a common thing with entrepreneurs. Every time I talk about it and share about it with my audience, I get so many messages from people like thanking me for actually talking about this stuff because yeah, we can't like, And I've had that thought before where I'm like, oh, if I talk about how I'm feeling depressed, like I, I, um, one of my brothers passed away in January. (sighs) Ooh. All right. And, ooh. And during that month, like felt some of that depression stuff kind of creep back in. And I was talking about it with, with my audience and being super transparent about that. And there is sometimes a feeling of like, oh, well, if my clients or prospective clients see that I'm going through this right now, are they going to question my ability to work for them and to do my job? Right. So there's always some of that that creeps in for me more when I'm sharing like the, the shit as I'm going through it, 
because when you're like, oh, last month, I bet you guys didn't even know I was having a really hard month, right? Like, cause I'm, and here we go, I've worked through it. And sometimes like when you're going through something really hard, like you don't feel safe sharing about it when you're in the moment and that's totally yeah. okay. And so for me, I pride myself on being very authentic and transparent, you know, Hey guys, this is what I'm going through like right now. And it's, it's bringing up some depression feelings again. And I'm like, I know that it's very much connected to this event in my life. And so it's not going to stay forever. And we're just going to honor that. These are the, the feelings that we're feeling right now. And I just, you know, and so I was really open with my audience about that and still had that. Oh, well, if like, what if someone doesn't want to hire me because they think I like, I'm too emotional or unstable or stuff. I'm like, no. So that's one of the things too. I'm so grateful to have a rock star team. Cause I was able to take really good care of myself when, when this happened a couple months ago and everything still got done so well. And like, we crushed it for our clients, you know? And so, so yeah, I think sometimes there's a stigma and I think so many people go through this that it's like, it's so much more common than we realize. And I think that's one of the things that is really hard when you're going through it is so many people feel so alone yeah. and like, Oh, nobody's going to get it. And you're not right. Like so many people deal with this stuff and like so many people would be so open to like support you and, and check in on you and stuff. And so I like, I, I would reach out to so many of my friends be like, Hey, I need some support. I need a FaceTime. I need, you know, whatever I needed to like take care of myself during that time. Because when you keep it all in, like, you're just like, it makes it harder and it lasts longer. I think. Absolutely. Well, I know we are about out of time, but I do have just a few more final questions for you. Someone wanted to connect with you, um, find more out about you. Where should they look? Yes. So probably Instagram is where I'm most active and um, have the most fun when it comes to the social medias. Um, So it's just Lauren Salon. So just my full name. Um, I'm all up in my stories. If you DM me, I will absolutely get back to you, probably send you a really ridiculous voice note or something. And Lauren, when do you feel the most confident? You know, so like so much of the time I feel super confident when I'm working out, like, because that's such a meditative like thing for me. And I get so connected into my body. So moving my body and exercising, I dance like every morning around my house, whether it's in my office or like while I'm getting ready, I feel super confident when I'm teaching and like coaching people and like in my zone of genius and making an impact that way. Um, so, so many things, honestly, I feel confident most of the time. And so it's, it's when I feel a lack of confidence, that's when things feel weird. Right. So, so yeah, I feel authentically, like naturally confident pretty much all the time. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing some of your journey. And these things can be hard for people to talk about. So I really appreciate you opening up sharing that vulnerability, because I do think that that will encourage other people to feel more comfortable with sharing their own story. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Graceful Confidence podcast. If you know someone who could benefit from this podcast, please go ahead and share it with them. Encourage them to like and follow this podcast so they know when new episodes are launching. Thank you again, and we'll talk soon.